Hello, hello, hello. Hello and welcome to TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. I'm your host, Modupe Ogunyemi. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the place where we talk about tips and insights to help immigrants secure the bag. As always, we start with a disclaimer. This is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. Everything we say on this show is for education and entertainment only. Please note that investing comes with risks, so please do your own due diligence or consult a financial advisor before making any investment decision. Okay, last week, we started an absolutely exciting conversation with a brilliant, brilliant special guest. And today, we are bringing you a continuation of the interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. My goodness. But yeah, 100%. I love love the energy. I love the vibe. And I can't disagree. Like, I can't even argue with that. You know, I can't argue with that. Uh, Again, it goes back to the mindset thing that you you mentioned earlier. You know, do you want to believe that you're disadvantaged because you're an immigrant? Or do you want to uh, uh, believe that you know, you can do anything and not, nothing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, almost like this popular saying that I, you know, that I like to share with people that I hold uh, dear to my heart as well. It's uh, the saying by Confucius that says, he who thinks he can and he who thinks he can't are both usually right. So if you think that being an immigrant and being new in the, in, in the country means that you can't get into real estate or you can't get into whatever it is you want to get into, or you can't build wealth, then that is going to be true for you. If you believe that, listen, I succeeded where I'm coming from. And Lagos is one of the most difficult places to succeed in, in the world. So if you could- Anyone who who did something in Lagos absolutely will be the 1% in Canada. Like, there's just no way to even, like, if you came from Nigeria and you landed this country, means you have the resolve. And that resolve is stronger than the resolve that, that people that were born here have. So- there's almost no avenue that you can use to land this country that makes you disadvantaged. Like, I don't see any. So again, immigrants, I think, you know, while there might be some delays with a few things, I think statistically, immigrants are usually better positioned for success. My next question is, you know, in your experience, you've been in this business for a while now, and, you know, I've, I've picked up from what you've said about having mentors and all of that. So, you know, you have both your personal experience and the experience of the people that you have surrounded yourself with. Um, so my, my question is, what are the typical timelines, you know, in your experience within which anyone new in the business can reasonably expect to see returns on investment? Note, I put keyword reasonably. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I know that it would be unreasonable to say I put in the money, or maybe it's not, you know, I put in the money today and I'm getting 100X by next week. I think it depends on a lot of a lot of factors. So one is your expectations, your goals. You know, if your goal is short term, I want to make six figures by the end of this year. There are a few strategies in real estate that would get you there. I want to build wealth. 
So can you rewind and say that again, please? Because we are going into a new year. We're, we're going into a brand new 2023. You know, I want to secure the bag. I want to make sure all my folks secure the bag as well. We're all straight. We're all good. Yeah. So can you say that again slowly, please? <laughs> so I mentioned that if, for example, someone's goal is I want to make six, six figures in real estate in 2023, there are a few real estate strategies that can absolutely get you there. If someone else's goal is I want to build wealth, long-term wealth, you know, that's more long-term. There are also strategies that get you there, right? So when a question comes and the question is, you know, what are reasonable timelines? I would always say it depends on the goal. There are people who are like, my goal is in the next five years, I want to quit my job. There are strategies that would help you achieve that. So again, it really depends on what the person's goal is and, you know, what strategy suits that goal and those strategies have those timelines are you can't like those timelines are there so when you think about for example wholesaling you know wholesaling has the highest return on time you could make six figures in in 2023 absolutely by doing wholesaling with airbnb you know you, you could potentially make that as well you probably would need more capital but when you have things like maybe land development to even get the permits or to get a few site plan approvals, that, you, that, that, that takes like a year. So if you say, I want to make this amount of money in like six months, you'll still be in the planning process by then. So it, different strategies have different timelines. So again, depending on the person's goal, what they want to achieve, there are different strategies that have you know, different timelines. So there's return on investment, there's return on time, right? So depending on the question, if you say, what strategy gives me the highest return on time? I would say it's probably wholesaling. You would say, what strategy gives me the highest return on investment? You know, then again, that depends, right? So yeah, I hope that provides some context. Yes, and I know we've not gone into the strategies in in, in details. And and for that, I, I probably would, you know, recommend that anyone who's listening to this and who wants to know more about that should sort of reach out to you directly uh, and connect. Um, but, uh, can we, can you just unpack wholesaling a little bit and just explain what that is? So that's the process of, okay, very simply put, it's like, um, lead generation. It's like marketing sales. You are finding a property that is worth a hundred K on the market. You are finding, you find the property and you have it, you register an interest in that property for like maybe $70,000. And then you find an investor who understands that, oh, this is worth $100,000. You have it for 70. Okay, let me take it off you for, for, for 80. And then, you know, I have 20K to enjoy. And then you just made it, you just made 10K for finding that deal, right? So if you, find 10 of those deals, that's your six figures there. Now, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm just going to find it. But finding it is essentially the skill. You know, people build businesses out of finding these deals. You, you, you don't just point your and say, oh, okay, this is 100K, I'm going to get it for 50. Like, you know, who's, who's going to sell you that building for half the price? You know, so there is a certain skill in being able to find that person being able to speak with the person, negotiate with the person, create an offer that is structured in a way where the person we are sending it to can make money. 
that skill set is essentially you know what Scott Hall saying. So it has it has a return on time because if today I get a property at a discounted amount, and I know someone who wants to buy, you know that's what that's what it takes for me to register that income. And what are the pitfalls or potential pitfalls of um, using any or every one of these real estate strategies? There's a lot. So there's... I knew it, it couldn't be so, so smooth sailing. There had to be a catch. So, I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls across all the strategies. Right. Um, the one I just spoke about was wholesaling. Relatively low risk. Low risk high return, right? Because you find a property, you get it under contract conditionally. So you are not obligated to close on the property. And then within your conditional period, that's when you find someone who wants to buy it at a higher price. If you successfully do that, boom, you've made your money, zero risk, all the return. The risk is if you don't find anybody, you return that property back to the seller. Again, no legal recourse to you. You were never from on property in the first place. So wholesaling is low risk, low risk, um, high return. Um, other strategies, the moment you close on the property, that's when risk starts to come. Like risk in real estate comes from ownership of the, of the building because there's mortgage that you have to pay. So who has, who's going to pay it if property... Um, those bills are going to come on, on the first anyways, right? So someone has to pay. So you, you need to have the money to pay. If you don't pay it, you are, you know, defaulting. You know, who's going to pay your bills? Those bills come every, every every month. So the risk starts to come when you close. And then if you can't sell, you know, that's a problem. If inflation goes up, sorry, comes down, interest rates, you know, all the braha that's happened this year, and you want to sell, but your house is worth lower, you've lost your equity. You know, again, risk comes when you close. But until you close, you know, your risk is, is very, 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 very small, if, if any risk at all. Right. And that brings me to my next question. I think you have a way of sort of linking your answers, sort of like, you know, what, where my head is at and what I'm going to ask next. next. <laughs> but I, what I'm going to ask next is actually about inflation. You know, we all have seen... Um, what the market has done. We've seen what the macroeconomic situation has been, not just here in Canada, also in the US, or just basically all over the world. You know, We've seen how that has impacted property prices. We've seen how that has impacted real estate. And you know, every day we wake up to uh, one new report from one analyst or the other, you know, people say that there's gonna be a housing market crash in 2023. Some people say, oh no, the market, the market is already crashing. Oh, it's, it's you know, there's so many uh, opinions out there. Uh, so what are your thoughts on inflation as it is still currently raging and the speculations of property prices crashing and the real estate market imploded? Okay. Um, <laughs> so let me start off by saying the speculations about the uh, about prices crashing, like there are no speculations. Like it's it's a it's a fact. You know, it's not it's not a speculation. Like prices are crashing. Like there is no clearer fact than than that. So I just wanted to call out that no one is speculating about that. Like prices have crashed and they've crashed hard. Um, 
So going into your question, you know, they are crashing because it's a deliberate action from the government. You know, they are doing their quantitative tightening. And what that means is they are deliberately raising the rates so that it's, it, it doesn't make sense for you to borrow money. So think about it. When they drop the rates to like 1%, 2%, if you end the salary of six figures, 100K, because the rates were so low, you know, the bank gives you money on how much you can pay every month because you're buying a property, right? So the bank makes money on, on the interest, on the mortgage. So if you earn 100K and the interest is at 2%, chances are that the amount of money that you earn, let's say 100K after tax is like 6K a month, you know, or 5K a month. So let's say 5K a month for easier calculation. So you earn 5K a month net. Now, because the interest rates are at 1% or 2%, you can afford a $1 million house because a $1 million house at 2%, you know, maybe your interest rates are like 3K or 4K. I'm just saying, of course, that's probably not the, the actual amount. But the moment interest rates go up to 4 or 5, that same $1 million house that you bought, for you to buy that same house, the price has to come down to like 500K. Right, because your income has not increased, but the bank is not going to give you a loan on a building that you need to pay maybe ninety percent. You, you need to use ninety percent of the salary to pay. So if they say you must only use forty percent of the salary to pay, so you make five k month net. They are saying you must only use two thousand dollars to pay your mortgage, so that they don't burden you. Right, so they stress you at two k a month. Anything that's over 2K a month, but not approving you. But when the interest is were 2%, a million dollar house could have been 2K a month. But now that interest rates have gone up to 4, 5, 6, 7, 8%, the price of that $1 million house has to come down to meet that 2%, that $2,000 every month. So as interest rates go up, prices come down. It's like I push it up, prices come down because salaries are the same, debt service ratios are the same, right? So the moment they stop pushing interest rate up, then you know prices stop coming down. So because it's deliberate, it's a cycle, right? It's a cycle. It always cycles out. Um, it's it's been doing that for years. Like if you check the history, it's happened like six or seven times. It's going to happen this time around. It's going to happen in the future. It's always going to happen. It's a cyclical thing. So it's just understanding what times we are in, having an idea of how long you can take, positioning yourself for that, ensuring that you stay alive during that period, and then when it comes back, you know you enjoy the good time. So for people that bought January, February, you know, March, those are probably the most stressed people because, you know, they bought at the height of the market and for them to pull out any money from that building, they need to wait until it goes down and then comes up and then also goes back to its height again and more than its height. So that's probably going to be longer, unfortunately. But again, if they bought right and you know, they had people paying their mortgage um, and then, and they had like a fixed mortgage and they fixed that, they fixed that like 1% or 2% and they had people covering it. Then whether the interest rates go to a million percent, it's not that business, right? They are fixed and they're cash flowing and they're always going to cash flow forever, you know, until those tenants don't pay the rent. So there's, you know, there's a lot of context as to um, what's happening. But again, it's, it, 
my response is it's a cyclical thing. Um, it's probably going to be like this for a while, for, for a few more months. Um, there's a spring market that's coming up. I know in, in Canada, I hear a lot that the spring market is always like the market where people rush to sell and, you know, people buy, you know, everyone is trying to buy before the summer. So it's, it's a thing. Now, I don't imagine that the government is going to stop raising rates because if they do, and everyone and their brother and their grandmother, they're all going to jump in for the spring market, right? Which is going to reverse everything they've done in the past year. So I would imagine that they are going to keep doing what they're doing, see if the spring market passes. And then you know, that would mean Q1, Q2 again, it's, it's going to be a few months of pain. So it, these are just thoughts, you know, I'm not the economist at the Bank of Canada. So I can't <laughs> most people, you know, those are, you know, just general thoughts around what's happening. Okay, this is where we will be drawing the curtains on this week's episode of TIB, the Immigrant Bag Podcast. I'm sure you'll agree with me that it's been an amazing, amazing conversation so far. It's been super insightful and enlightening. Next week, we will bring you a continuation of the interview. So make sure you don't miss it. And on that note, until next week, when we bring another exciting episode your way again, this is Mudupe saying, keep your friends close, keep your money closer, and keep your family closest.